Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Black Culture, Black Thought, where we examine current events and how they relate to Black culture, history, theory, and thought. I'm Chelsea, here with Jody and Franny. How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you. Good. And uh, today, against my wishes, we will be talking about allyship. And I just want you to say that this is going to be the first and last episode hopefully that we address specifically to white people because that's not what black culture black thought is but given the moment i feel like it's an important well franny and jody felt like it was a very important conversation to have sorry it's really important because i i think that we need to understand what true if if there is a true allyship allyship or not what to look out for what to buy into what to actually accept from these white people who are trying to say they're on our side so yeah i think it's important i agree (laughs) and plus they're lurking and listening (laughs) and they all want to learn so maybe they should just kind of learn about themselves so i do agree i think that now more than ever um white people and non-black people are having a moment of enlightenment they are realizing probably for like a lot of them for the first time that black lives are under attack in this country and that they play a role in that attack. Um, So we are going to talk about how you as a non-black person can be an ally to the black community and how you can make your allyship not be performative. But first, before we get to that part, we just wanted to give you some experiences of the type of allies that we have encountered in the past um, that brought me to this moment where I am like kind of dreading doing this episode, okay? So, <laughs> all right. So, you'll survive it. There. I will survive. survive. I will, I will persevere. Um, mm-hmm. It will be okay. So, kicking it, yeah. kicking it off on, and these are examples that we're gonna go through of bad allyship first. Because you know what? Sometimes you can't know what good allyship is until you are told what bad allyship is. All right? Exactly. So, Jody, why don't you hit yes. us off with like the first example of your bad allyship that you've been through and experienced? Well, where, <laughs> where should I begin? Um, <laughs> I was born on October 5th. <laughs> um, <laughs> Straight out the womb, and I looked Straight into my the face of the doctor. Up there at Saint Margaret Hospital, like look at this. Stuff. Anyways, but um, but oh. I, I I gotta say that with all that's going on with this movement that's happening, it's like they are coming out of the woodwork, you know, just yeah. just just out from nowhere wanting to have like these conversations with me that they wouldn't normally ever have before. But then I have to think about it. I would never, I normally wouldn't have had these conversations before. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I've always, I mean, I came to the realization towards the end of last year that I'm the palatable black friend, you know? So I'm Mm -hmm. the one that's just the closest proximity to whiteness that they feel comfortable they could talk to me mm. about whatever and would rarely talk to me about race until I actually, you know, earlier this year, I was like, listen, <laughs> you can't, and just kind of like opened up the floodgates. But there's like, for me, I think there's like varying levels 
mm-hmm. of, of, of these interactions that I have. So there's, I mean, there's one that I had at the beginning of the protest where someone just kind of kept sending me examples of like good cops, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I get it. Okay, like we had a conversation the evening before and I listened to what they were saying all about Colin Kaepernick and all about how his protest was wrong. And and then I, I counteracted. I was like, well, what would have been the appropriate way to protest? You know, like mm-hmm. what would have, couldn't get an answer. And then the next day, like not even 24 hours later, you start talking to me about looting and then sending me examples of good cops. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm I- done. I'm done. And then I just proceeded to like, I wouldn't say read them for filth, but you know, when you say that, when you say that, you know, I just want a mental, I'm taking a mental break because it's a lot. It was the beginning of the movement, the beginning of the uprising. Like, you know, the man died the Monday. I'm seeing his face everywhere. Like, I just want to watch the office, Mm -hmm. you know? But in that moment, having to put out that emotional labor and having to listen to this person tell me about their views, their this, that was far more important than me saying, listen, I'm not feeling all that great. You know, you think you'd want to check in, yeah, but no. And then, you know, you do that and then you bless and you block them, which is exactly what I did, you know? So, so you, so you have that. And I think that they were trying to show me examples of good cops to kind of show me that they're, they're with me. You know what I mean? Like there's two sides to everything, but I hear what you're saying, but I need you to know what I believe, you know? Mm. So it's just, it's like that. And then it's, you know, the more nuanced ones where it's someone that you're, you really care for and, and you value and, and then you don't want to call them out. You want to call them in, you know? And what Mm. I found is like with every read or call out that I, or call in that I've done, I give them kind of like a, I know it's not my job to teach them anymore mm-hmm. or period. What I would do is just kind of give them an action step to do, you know, yeah. like for the one with the yeah. cop, I told them, look up emotion, black emotional labor and look up palatable blackness mm-hmm. and bye bye, you know? And, and it's just like, I, I'm a firm believer of saying like words matter, language matters, not because I am who I am, doesn't mean you can just come and speak to me recklessly. Yeah. And that's what it is. You're speaking to me recklessly, you know? And if you do that, I'm going to tell you about yourself. In the past, I wouldn't. In the past, I definitely would not. I would always put um, their feelings mm-hmm. above my own. And even still with the last one I did, I sat there as I was sending it, I started shaking. And I was like, well, why am I shaking? And I had to stop and compose myself. And I said, I realized I was putting their feelings above my own. What are they going to think? They're going to be mad at me. I don't want them to feel bad about themselves. You know, so I was going to silent, silence myself for the sake of their feelings. And that's something that I'm currently working with in the process of like, I've been working on decolonizing my mind because I grew up in primarily white spaces, primarily white institutions. So I looked at myself until maybe a few months ago through a white lens. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so having to kind of like deconstruct that kind of thinking has actually helped me to find my voice and just not be, to be frank, afraid of wanting yeah. to speak out against, you know, the injustices I feel are being done to me. Yeah. So that's basically like my thing about bad allyship, you know, or even performative allyship or just fakeness. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see through your bullshit. I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. I'm going to need you to do better going forward if you want to be in my life. So that's me. That's my rant. I'm done. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really dope. The decolonizing your mind. Yeah. Because that's something that I think a lot of people aren't aware that they have to because not only do we pick that up from you know you got to be the good black person you don't want to be ghetto you don't want to be angry you don't want to be loud you know like those things those those bring our ourselves our characters down you know that suppresses mm-hmm. us if we decide we got to act or be a certain way all the time to be accepted or palatable or you know like it that yeah. that's big yeah. and that's something that a lot of people don't come to the realization that it's necessary yeah. And it's better to come to it, the realization later, better than never, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. You I mean, guys know this. <laughs> this, this topic stresses me out, guys. I'm over here. Know, like, <laughs> but don't worry. We're going to get, we're going to get to the good part. We just have to get through sure. the tough part. Get to sure. the good part. <laughs> All righty, Franny, your turn. <laughs> yes, man, I, I have an interesting, and uh, like like you said, for whatever reason around this time, people feel the need to reach out to you, even though they never really spoke to you. And they have to say something to make it seem like, you know what, I got you. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what happened. My story's filled with irony. But um, uh, there was a old high school um we weren't even friends in high school um and hardly actually the way we became even facebook friends was when me and my friend was playing a high school reunion and it was um you know i guess she knew more people in different circles and she he was one of the people and that's how we became facebook friends but anyway um he reaches out uh during this right after the george floyd um situation and after the protest and he reaches out in the dm and he's basically saying, you know, I know it's crazy. There's a crazy time right now that we're living in. Just wanted to say real quick that I stand with you and my friends of color until the end. Mm. And he even attaches a gif <laughs> of, I don't know. Which- <laughs> stop it, stop it, stop it. I can't make this shit up. So <laughs> he attaches a gif of, I don't even know who these two white people are. It's these two white men and they look like they're like in kind of combat uh, gear and one says to one um, are you with me and the other one says until the better bitter end so it makes you seem like this person's talking about going to war with you you know so <laughs> the very next day the very next day uh, um, this same person proceeds to um, write or or repost I'll say um, like a, a tweet of you know the riots and the looting saying that to the selfish thieving people going around breaking glass and looting you are disgusting uh you're disrespecting the memory of george floyd and making peace with protesters look bad and stuff and he comments for the past few days you know he's been trying to wrap his head around this this stuff and he just doesn't understand the needless attacking of businesses and looting and protesting so i was just like this is so crazy because just yesterday just yesterday <laughs> you you about to go to war with it, right but now today you don't even understand the purpose of this war apparently that's the irony i find and so i i see that um uh someone in his comments you know decides to say hey um you know what this is kind of crazy that's this is the first thing that you post about george floyd and you know why don't you post something else or whatever i'm actually going to unfollow you because this is crazy how you know you don't see 
how this is not not helping the cause at all. And um, instantly, uh, this person gets offensive, defensive. And that's always usually the first sign that people ain't really trying to be an allyship. They just yeah. trying to say something, you know, like they're not exactly. really trying to get inside. They just really want to be heard from the, their own point of view. So, um, mm-hmm. instantly gets defensive. Talking about, I'm not picking a side and I'm not doing all of this. I'm just literally just, um, keeping up with the, the new, the, the, uh, current news. And the person's not stupid. The, the, you know, the, the person who's deciding to unfriend, uh, that person's like, no, actually you have chances to post other things and you could post other things. Oh, I, then this, he goes, I actually reached out to all of my friends of color last night and told them that I'm with them. So how could I possibly be on the wrong? Like that's his <laughs> attitude. How could I be on the wrong side? When I did such a grand gesture, then I also decided to go through other comments and he, I see him keep saying this, keep boasting about all the people of color. He reached out all the, the, the allies he done mm-hmm. made. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, normally I wouldn't do this. I'm not really the type to go on super long Facebook post rants, but I had to because I'm like, you know what? You ain't gonna play me like that. So <laughs> you know so I decided to get involved in the conversation. So I'm like, wow. You know, I'm I'm very surprised uh at the fact that he even decided to the post that, you know, after of course reaching out to all his friends or whatever. So I addressed it and I'm telling him like his other friend was right. You need to listen to her. Um, literally the link that you're looking for that understand why, you know, these rights will be happening. That's not for you to mm-hmm. understand. That's not for you to understand. That's something that you would have to be, uh, you would have to be hurt that much to understand that kind of pain and that reaction. Yeah. So, um, and the thing about solidarity is, Solidarity is in the actions. So either you completely be on our side or you're just not. You understand? Like mm-hmm. that that's that that's the thing about it. There is no uh straddling the fence on that part. So the fact that, you know, this person took the action to go ahead and and basically T- uh, talk bad about the people who are protesting or even condemn the rioters. It's ridiculous. That was, <laughs> and then the defensive part that came after it. So I go on to say like, you know what, not understanding that people do crazy things sometimes, you know, out of anger is interesting because for some reason we always seem to understand when cops get angry and they have to kill this that's understandable because guess what they don't even pay any um consequences or they're not held accountable most of the time for that shit so but we understand obviously society understands that because they're not outraged right so but Mm -hmm. instantly when protesters or even quote-unquote rioters express their anger suddenly it's a problem suddenly we have to address that and something has Mm -hmm. to be done about that so the irony there is fucked up um but anyway, he decided to focus his energy on the writers, and I called him out on that. Um, he even <laughs> he even went as far as to explain that he knows the root of the problem, and he says the root of the problem is profiling blacks. That's what his <laughs> explanation of the root of all of this is is oh, profiling wow. blacks. And I yeah yeah I can't even make the shit up. So. I go into that. That's not the root of the problem. I go into all of this stuff. And at the end of it all, I was just, I was really 
like I said, I was upset because at first, although, you know, I'm going to say that I know that these people do this because they have good intentions. So I, I, I do, I do think that their intentions are, are good. I do. But I think that intentions are, are ain't shit. It's like, really, I don't, I think that most things, intentions ain't shit. It's the actions mm-hmm. that matter, you know? So I don't care what your intentions are. If your mouth or your actions ain't matching it, then it get it out the door. Like it's it's not relevant at all. So that part was like, yeah, okay. So I really wanted all of his black and, and friends of color to read those messages so that they know. But unfortunately, he deleted it real fast. So and I deleted him too. Yeah. So that's how that series ended. And at the end of the day, you really got to see who is on your side by their actions. Fuck their words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like. I disagree with you a little bit. I don't think all people who present themselves as allies have good intentions. I think Mm -hmm. some are compelled to present themselves as allies because they think it's the right thing to do and they are looking for a pat on the back. That to me is not Mm -hmm. a good intention. Um, That to me is like a selfish intention and I actually think some of allyship is a selfishness thing Um, Mm -hmm. and it's more so to feel good about yourself versus actually making a change and i'll explain why a little bit later when we go into like the different types of ways you can be an ally to a community with different levels of commitment but i guess i could share one story about allyship and this was like really how i seen allyship become dangerous and where i kind of disengaged from it a lot um this was back when i was at mount holyoke and it was right around the time trump got elected it was actually the day after Trump got elected, if I'm being really specific, I went to class and it was a gender studies class. And in this class, I was the only student of color. Not necessarily true. I was the only student of color from like the United States. We had two students who were from China, but I think that's like a little bit different in terms of what we're talking about, like U.S. race relations and the like Trump's presidency affected them in one way. It affected me in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And the instructor of this class decided to use a piece of literature written by Audre Lorde that talks about why self-care is a very important act in any revolution. Um, However, Audre Lorde is not talking about self-care for everybody. She's talking specifically how self-care is a revolutionary act for Black women in any revolution because historically, Black women have not been given the space to take self-care. Since the inception of this country, Black women have never had a period of rest. And I think that's something that's very true. We have always been put to work, um, forced to work in some regards, or had to work. And it's very hard for Black women to maintain patriarchal, normal patriarchal household standards, I guess what I'm saying, which I don't agree with. But if we're talking about U.S. frameworking, and how just kind of like who has to work, who didn't have to work in this country. Black women had to work, white women did not have to work. Not Holyoke is a women's college or a historic women's college, I should say. So I was in a classroom with, I don't want to just say white women because we did have students who were trans, but I was in a classroom of women. Well, no, not just women. I was in a class with white people predominantly Uh, women i would say predominantly women. yeah Yeah. um so anyways 
the day before Trump's election, the day before the election, we went around the room and we kind of just shared our like our feelings about it coming up. And I would say about 70% of the class said that their family members were voting for Trump. So when the day after the election and the teacher decided to use this piece of literature that calls for black women to take rest in a classroom where I was the only black woman and he wasn't just speaking to me, he was speaking to everybody in that classroom. I got pissed off because I was like, hold up, this is not what the writing is about. So you're co-opting this writing. You're taking a writing for black people written by a black woman and trying to apply it to everybody, which is a fucked up thing to do. But also this class doesn't need rest right now because this class hasn't done the work. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. this class all said, oh, yeah, my fam- like my family's voting for Trump. I don't know how to have this conversation with them, so I'm not going to have it. And it's hmm. less rest. It's more this class needs a call to action is what I felt. Um, so anyways, coming into Mount Holyoke, I had already taught classes. And I feel like I had this weird experience. I was an older student, so I had a weird experience where I felt like I was taking care of my classmates. We could talk about the psychology of my brain later, but um, (laughs) just kind of like, I didn't want to take away from anybody's experience. And by the time this teacher said, oh, wait, actually, this piece was written by Audre Lorde and it was like meant for black women, but we're applying it to the class. I was just already pissed off. So I was just like, I can't. I just said to my teacher very quietly, I can't stay. I need to leave. And I left. I left in the middle of class. And my teacher reached out to me via email and said, you know, Chelsea, I saw that you were upset. I saw that you left earlier. If there's anything that I could do to help you, let me know. So I'm like, okay, here's a teacher that talked a lot about race in his class. He is a white teacher, talked a lot about race in his class. He really felt like, you know, I really felt like he was like an ally. So I was like, all right, this is a moment not to necessarily call out somebody like Jody mentioned, but to call in. So I took, mm-hmm. and this is me using like, you know, all of like my um, social justice language of like, I took the mental capacity to politely explain something in a manner that he could take in and not become defensive of. And I said to a response somewhere along the lines of, while I understood why you used that piece of writing, I do get it. I felt frustrated because by the time black women were centered in that conversation, white people had been already centered and dominated that conversation as a whole. So I left because I didn't want to take away from anybody else's experience because I wasn't feeling the conversation. And I didn't want to like, you know, everybody has a right to feel what they want to feel about Trump's election. I just didn't want to be in that environment. I didn't need to hear it. I didn't need to be a part of that conversation. It's basically kind of what I said. Mm. He responded with, oh, he responded by saying, as a white professor, I do not understand what you mean. I've gotten oh. a lot from Audre Lorde's words. And, you know, does like, you know, and that's that basically. Did not ask like, me. Oh. Yeah. Did not ask me what I meant by that. Did not ask if I wanted, like, did not say, you know what, Chelsea, I don't understand, but let me do research to kind of figure out what you mean. Nothing. Then from there, I quite literally would get feedback on my essays. And this is a professor, I just need to be like clear. So gender studies is like a really weird department within universities. And it's weird because it teaches a lot of framework around 
disability justice, racial justice, like black feminist justice or black feminist theories. Um, and like it kind of like lived experiences as valid forms of academic theory. So we're talking about a major that kind of deconstructs the way academia is portrayed and the way academia functions. So that's like what it teaches on a theoretical level. In practice though, it's a really fucked up department. So we did like a whole lesson on disability justice and kind of like how students with like invisible disabilities are not respected within college classes and are not like, you know, like you need, you will have to go to like, I don't know, like see a psychiatrist if you have depression or severe depression that you can't do your work, get diagnosed, get that diagnosis to be approved by the school. And it can get a pricey depending on how much of like, if you have health insurance, if you have access to a doctor. So we talk about in these classes how a student's word should be enough for a professor to honor their word. So I had told my professor many times that I'm dealing with anxiety and I'm having a very hard time finishing my papers. Um, I didn't tell him like ahead of time for one paper that I was having a hard time finishing the paper. So the paper was like about a week late. And I also had a hard time because I realized he was playing games with my papers and will find like the one thing that was wrong with it and will dock points. So the paper was late because I literally went question per question in the prompt and made sure every single thing was answered. So that way he had no reason to dock my points. So I turn mm -hmm. in the paper and I get the feedback of Chelsea, this is a really powerful essay. However, I wanted you to focus more so on the second part of the prompt rather the first part of the prompt. I didn't make that clear in my directions. So I am docking a grade Wow! because you didn't follow the second part of the prompt and I'm docking another grade because you turned your paper in a week late. So I got to see on that paper. And oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that to me is like really kind of why I disengage from allyship because, and I like, it's not the only experience that I've had like that where you try to call somebody in. And when I tell you that that is mental work, trying to call somebody in, it is. it's a mm -hmm. lot of mental work because of the dangers that could come along with it. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when people of color try to call in allies, it is met with hostility. And yeah. that was just an example of that. I've had other examples of it, but that was probably the worst one that penalized me in a very real way. It penalized my grade. Um, so yeah. yeah. So all because he was butthurt because he chose, mm -hmm. to spoke, chose to speak up. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah. See, once I met with that defensiveness, I automatically know this is something that for me, yeah, this is not a discussion. I'm going to leave this alone yeah. and you, I'll let you figure it out on your own because there's ways that you could figure it out on your own and I don't have to stress myself mm -hmm. out over it. So, you know, I just, yeah. Um, yeah. And I like also just want to be clear, like I have white people in my life who I really trust and I am open to meeting new white people who I can learn to trust, like, you know, but yeah. I think when we talk about this broad generalization of allyship, I know I saw way too many people post that black square in solidarity who I've heard also say racist ass shit. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm talking about racist ass shit like a week ago. Like, yeah. so yeah. yes, everybody has a right to change. Everybody has a, like a right to grow. And my racial consciousness is not what it was 
when 10 years ago, like, you know, like I have matured and I have developed and I have deepened my understanding on race and I have had my own awakening when it comes to race as a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very real experience that we could talk about in another episode, I guess. Like, you know, I think everybody has like their own racial awakenings. And yeah. so I want to always leave room for people to have that. I just don't need to be a part of that experience. Like, you know, and that's the difference is like, I'm not going to be a part of that experience. And I've had like recent experiences where I've interacted with somebody racist recently who I felt like I had that question of like, do I call them out? Do I not call them out? And ultimately I was like, you know what? Not my fucking job. It's really not. And Mm -hmm. if you want to go around sounding like a dumbass fool, go ahead, go around sounding like sounding like a dumbass fool. And that's just kind of how I feel. So, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm very enthused about this topic. Anyways, <laughs> no, yeah. to like lead yeah. you guys on like kind of a journey and to begin your journey into allyship or to continue or deepen that journey, we do want to give you just three different forms of what it means to be an ally from weak allyship to yo, you're my partner and we're in this together and I trust you and we're going to fight and I know that you're fighting on my side. So how do you guys want to do this? Do you guys want to talk about, do you just want to take one? You want me to explain all of them? We did not go. I'm like, we didn't go over this part of that in that line. So do you know, what'd you say? We're planning as we're talking. I guess you kind of like, you know, we don't, we can just kind of talk about our experiences in terms of like weak allyship. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm like, yeah. I'm not afraid to say that we did not put too much energy into this episode because we don't have the mental space for it. Okay. So like y'all lucky we're doing this. Like, you're welcome. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Allyship. That's the term that we all are the, probably the most familiar with. When you mm-hmm. are an ally, you speak up. You may not actively engage in racism. And I'm going to change that. You may not consciously engage in racism. Um, You might have read some books and you know the language of social justice. So you know all the right words. You might show up to a protest. You might show up to the meeting. You are not consciously aware of your racist beliefs if you have them. Okay? Because they might still very well exist. Take the key word they'd still exist okay right exactly and then when you kind of you know (laughs) sit back and look at your life and look at what they have everyone around you is still lily white Mm -hmm. exactly yeah Yeah. so that's allyship a lot of allyship to me is very performative a lot of allyship is very it's bad allyship Um, i have yet to really seen somebody who falls within the category of an allyship actually do really meaningful work like you know um i have seen people who fall into the category of allyship who don't do harm and that's something because i've also seen people who fall into that category who do a great deal of harm Mm -hmm. um i will say that if you are not actively working to i'm gonna scratch that if you're not at the very least willing to be called out for something that you might have said that's racist if your first response is i'm the least racist person you're not an ally you're, you're not. not point blank mm-hmm. and i say that for everybody um yeah if i say something that is racist to another racial group if i say something that is um homophobic or transphobic and i can't be called out on that that i'm not mm-hmm. an ally 
And I will take, yeah. I will take that on. I need to be able to be called out on my shit because I do have shit and we all have biases. I have yeah. biases against everybody. Like, and I'm just going to say that, like, cause I know that they exist and yeah. I have biases against white people. I have biases against black people. I have biases against people of, who are Latinx people who are Asian, like they exist. And that's the first step is recognizing that you are a person that has biases within you and that you need to confront. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. The next step right. in this, and this is like a hierarchy. So we're going, well, not, not a hierarchy, but a pyramid. So we start at the bottom of the pyramid. Now we're going into the middle of the pyramid. And these are accomplices, people who have done more work and educate themselves on the system of, on the systems of oppression that exist and how they stand to benefit from those systems. Mm-hmm. They are also actively engaged in disrupting and trying to dismantle those systems. So these are people who will kind of like show up to a protest and will call out um, racism when they see it will call out other people who are being racist when they see it and will tr- kind of start to attack systems of oppression. So if they see that inequalities in school, they will talk about inequalities within education and try to change those inequalities. Mm-hmm. I can start to fuck with these people. You know? Yeah. Or even even in, in, my, in my example, the person who commented first mm-hmm. that I said I agreed with, that person was white. Yeah, and that person decided to call him out. Yeah, who was also white, so that would be an accomplice to me. Yeah. who they decided, you know what? I'm going to use my education. And I'm going to try to educate you real quick, and if you take it, you take it. If you don't, but I tried. But you know what? I'm not going to sit quiet while you just do this. And I'm like, oh, and also he, I forgot to put. He allowed someone to call him her that person who mm-hmm. you know uh, stood up. Allowed another friend to call that person racist oh. and didn't say nothing. So that part would really, spo- I was like, I gotta say something. Yeah. This is crazy. But um, yeah, the person who originally spoke up, who sh- didn't have to and didn't have to say nothing, could have kept quiet, but they did. That that would be an accomplice to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then no, yo, Jody. No, I was just gonna say it was like you know I have someone, you know, in my life right now who who. who as an ally, but as I would have to say is like a baby accomplice, mm-hmm. you know, they're like in the middle of wanting to do the, and is actively doing the work. And, you know, when I'm just like, well, if I hear that, this is me and with my good heart I say, well, if you, you know, if you want to have, you know, open and healthy, nope, I need to do the work on my own. This is my job. That's good. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. right. Great. All right. I awesome. see you. Awesome. I see you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And next up, we have co-conspirators and this is really where we need people to be. So we need you to go on this journey from allyship to becoming an accomplice, to becoming a co-conspirator. And a co-conspirator is someone who will actively put themselves in harm's way in order to heighten and protect marginalized voices. They are led by those voices. They do not try to lead those voices. They do not go into a marginalized group and say, here's what you need to do. No, they go into a marginalized group, they stay quiet, they listen to marginalized people, and they follow the lead. Okay. Yep. So for instance, when you were like when you were explaining your um in a another episode, you were involved in a um protest and you were saying that at one point when you guys were on a bridge, you guys decided, you know what? Uh white allies mm-hmm. be uh, basically like a protection ring. Yeah. You understand? And those people stepped forward and they were a protection ring. That would be a co-conspirator, correct? Exactly. 
Yeah. Yes. So they are in constant conversation with themselves and their own privileges, and they are interrogating themselves and -hmm. interrogating those privileges and actively working Mm -hmm. to not engage with them and to dismantle those privileges. I think that that's the most important thing because when we talk about change, it's not going to happen unless white people are willing to let go of, and I'm not even going to say let go of certain privileges or willing to let people have those same privileges. Therefore, they're no mm-hmm. longer privileges. If they're not willing to even the playing field and they realize that their freedom is attached to the freedom of everybody else in this country, that mm-hmm. we will not really be free unless the person who We're experiences the most marginalization is free. Um, so I just want to give you one example. And this example is by Dr. Bertina Love, who talks about Bree Newsom, who removed the Confederate flag, I believe, in South Carolina, and James Tyson. So Brittany Newsom is a black woman. And her and James Tyson are part of like the same organization group. And they decided to do this action where... They wanted to remove a Confederate flag, and they knew that Brie Newsom, a black woman, needed to do it. So Brie Newsom climbs the flagpole. James Tyson is standing next to her on the ground of that flagpole. An ally might have stand like 10 feet away and just looked up and be like, yo, 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 Brie, the police are coming. Get down. Right. So that's what an ally might do. Um, an accomplice they might go to the police and try to talk to the police and be like, what you're doing is racist. A co-conspirator is what James Tyson did. So the police realize that she is on a metal flagpole and that they can tase that flagpole and that by tasing the flagpole, it will cause her to experience a shock and that she will fall. James Tyson put his hand on the metal flagpole and left it there, knowing that police officers, at least during that time, would not have tased a flagpole if a white man's hand was on it. And they Mm -hmm. didn't. So that's what a co-conspirator does. A co-conspirator is willing to put themselves within harm's way in order to protect and heighten marginalized voices. He did not take the spotlight away from Brie Brie Newsom. Matter of fact, I didn't even know who he was until I heard Dr. Bettina, uh, Bettina, Bettina, sorry, Bettina Love. I'm tired, guys. Okay. So until she shared her story. So he heightened Bree Newsom's impact. He made it so that her voice was heard, her face was seen. And that's what we need. So we need, so we need you know, people to be a James Karen. Please. Mm-hmm. You know, be a James. That's what we want. Be a James. James Tyson. Yeah. yeah, I was like, James Karen. I was like, huh? I was like, no, no Karen. No, 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 James. Comma Karen. That was to the Karens listening. <laughs> Look, like I said, y'all are getting our our minimal effort in this episode, and that's okay. We're okay yeah. with that. Okay. So, so we're gonna close this episode out with a call to action for um our white listeners. And that call to action action is Google. It is your friend. It's this place where you could ask questions and it will give you answers. Um, You could type in, what are some books to read to become an anti-racist? And it will give you a list of books to read to become an anti-racist. You don't need to ask your black black friends. Because guess what? Your black friends may not know. Okay? Okay. Or they might know and they are exhausted at answering these types of questions. So give them a break. So, Jude... 
put some efforts like, in. At least we're done with the emotional labor. Go find yourself a BuzzFeed quiz. BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah. Am I a racist? And I you think know? that that's like the most important thing to realize is that. So I had a friend who reached out to me and she was like, hey, I'm looking to donate to um, some organizations in New Orleans. This is a white friend. Do you know of any recommendations? I did not mind answering that question because it's something that's very specific and it's something that's yeah. like organizations, not all of them are created equal. She's asking, do you know of any that you trust that you would recommend me donating to? She also put the caveat in, if you don't want to tell me, girl, that's okay. I will do my research on my own. Beautiful. Uh-huh. Great. I had no problem telling her. If she would have came to me, hey, Chelsea, do you know of any books that I can read that, you know, are, that will teach me not to be racist? I would have been like, bitch, there's a Google. You know? Go Google I have it. an example I have an example of kind of that of the latter of what you're saying. So someone I know, I was talking to them and they were saying someone from home. We're both, you know, from Massachusetts, like texting them, asking them how they can get in touch with the Boston chapter of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they were like, I don't know because I don't live there anymore. <laughs> you live there right now. Like, Google. What, what organizations back home should I donate money to? I don't know. <laughs> I don't live there anymore, you know? And it's just like, oh, and then they came back. It's like, I don't live there anymore. <laughs> I haven't lived there in like eight years. Like, what part of I don't live there, you know? Yes. And, you're like, and then, again, you have that point where it's just like, you were having a conversation. It's like, okay, this is someone that, you know, for her, it was just like someone that I really care about and I've known since I was a child. Like, do do I call them in? Do I call mm-hmm. them out? Do I do the, you know, kind of like putting their feelings above just being like, bitch, I don't live there no more. Like yeah. Google's your phone. And, yeah. You know? And I think that that's the problem is that it takes a lot of emotional labor and it's not just emotional labor. It takes actual labor. And then it's like, all right, yeah. well, yeah. Like Google, how do you call them out? Now I have to think about the emotional labor of calling somebody out. I'm over yeah. it. I'm just going to leave I'm you on read. Okay. I watch the office. Or That's tell you Google. Do. I'll send you a link to Google. <laughs> Not even like a Google search. <laughs> Just a link to Google. Right. All righty. So, <laughs> so that's our ally episode. I hope it was very informative. I hope, I hope you appreciate all those work that we put into it. You want to cash app one of us? Go right ahead. No, I'm joking. Mm-hmm. But for real, mm-hmm. if you want to send somebody, somebody hit me up on social media. You can follow us at um, on Instagram at Black Culture underscore Black Thought. Um, on Facebook at Black Culture Black Thought. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe so that way you are notified when we drop the latest episode. Take care, guys. Yes, Bye. Bye. Be good allies, please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Work on co-conspirator. Co-conspirator. I was just Sorry. about to say that. <laughs> Sorry. Use Baby Google. Step. It's your friend. Yes. Your friend. Alrighty. Alrighty. Bye, guys. <laughs>